Dose of Leadership Podcast, Episode 10. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Welcome to the Dose of Leadership Podcast. I am Richard Ryerson. Hey, good news today. We made it to number one on iTunes on all podcasts in the business category. So thank you for your support. The show continues to grow, and I'm getting more and more interview requests lined up. So I want to hear from you still, though. Please send me your comments. Go to doseofleadership.com. Tell me what you think about the show. Tell me who you'd like to see me interview. If you sign up at my website, you join a leadership community, I'll give you a free copy of my Common Sense Leadership Guide. So again, visit doseofleadership.com and, and let me hear from you. Enjoy the show. Well, I'm excited to have uh, as my guest on the Dose of Leadership today, Nick Cirillo. He's the uh, founder and CEO of Nick's Pizza and Pub. It's actually up near Chicago, Crystal Lake, I believe, but uh, he's got a couple up in there, and he's, in, of all things, he's one of the, uh, according to the stats, one of the six busiest independent pizza company in per store sales in the United States. I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. But of all things, he's got a unique background, construction worker, founded a pizza restaurant in the mid-90s, which everybody must have thought you were crazy, but uh, he's uh, changed the culture up there in the restaurant business, and uh, he's got an interesting story, and we're going to hear about it today. He's also uh, author of a book called A Slice of Pie, How to Build a Big Little Business, and he already talks about and he credits his company's success to his purpose-driven culture, which we're going to learn about today. Nick, thanks for coming on the program. How are you today? I'm great, Richard, and thank you very much for having me and grateful for this opportunity. So here we are, the mid-90s construction worker, right? You were in construction at the time? Yes, I was. I had uh, I was a carpenter for about I don't know, 10, 11 years. I mean, that's how I was a carpenter for more than that, but that's how long I was a union carpenter. And me and my brother actually had our own custom home uh, construction business as well at the time. And so one day you decided to start a pizza business. What prompted you to do that? You People must have thought you were crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I heard that often. <laughs> so, um, well, I did have a little bit of experience. My dad had a restaurant when I was a kid at a little pizza place that me and my brother worked at as kids, you know, in, in high school and stuff. So I had some experience, although, you know, I got out of that, you know, working all through high school in my dad's restaurant um, made Actually, it's funny because when I got out of it, when I graduated high school, I said, Dad, I'm never going to get in the restaurant business again. <laughs> so, so much for saying never. Right. right. So you've turned in this culture, and, and um, what I love about it is, as you put it, even a, and you went into it, or even you've kind of transformed the belief that even a humble pizza parlor has a potential to change the world. And uh, you've kind of changed at least that slice of the world up there and making a huge impact on me. Tell me a little bit about the transformation. What makes Nick's Pizza and Pub so different than everybody else? Well, yeah, you know, I think one of the things is I set out, I, I, I what motivated me was I had three kids of my own at the time. I was, you know, my, my daughter was, uh, Michelle was six, my son Nick was four, and my youngest son Danny was two. And I realized that they're, you know, taking my kids out to eat as a family was uh, was a challenge. It wasn't there wasn't anything where 
you could go. You know, although there's lots of restaurants, there wasn't anything where servers actually treated your kids well. You got, you know, kids could be kids, and you could just have a good experience. Uh, so I I felt like there was a gap in the marketplace, even though there was a lot of pizza places and restaurants and all that stuff. I, I really thought there was a gap, and and I thought I could do something different, and, and that's where I set out to build not just a, a restaurant, but a an experience to create an experience for the community to come together. Um, and I, I think what really that intention, along with the work I did about seven years later around 2002 or so when I uh, met a consultant, Rudy Mick, and he helped us develop our purpose and our values and really take the passion that many of us entrepreneurs have, you right. know, that's inside our gut. And, you know, if as an entrepreneur, you're, you're frustrated around why, why can't, why can't everybody that works in the company read my mind and understand uh, how important some of this stuff is. Right. Yeah. We took that passion out from inside me and out with the team, a collaborative process, and we created our purpose, why we do what we do, not just what, but why we exist and creating a meaningful place to work. That's really what's differentiated us. So that that intention I set out to do actually came out, you know, in our, in our purpose and then also developing our values in the same way. So we have a process in how we make decisions together, not just Nick, but the whole team. So I don't have to be here every moment of the day. So my team actually thinks and processes just the way I would, you know, and, and we're together that way. That's what differentiates us from all the restaurants down the street. Yeah. And that's why I like to share this process as well, because it will it's like you and I, Richard, having a different personality. No, no two restaurants are going to have the same purpose. Right. Well, you hit on a couple nuggets thing that I'm very passionate about. And I've always said and I've in, throughout my venture into the corporate world. And I've, I've had heated arguments about this with folks and, and they've said, you know, well, you know, you, you, if you only pay them this much, they're, they're only going to be this type of people. They're only going to be, you know, they're going to be blue collar. All they care about is getting their paps blue ribbon and going away. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. I said, and I would always go back to the Marine Corps example. And I said, look, is anybody going to get rich joining the Marine Corps? And they're like, no. I said, why does somebody join the Marine Corps in the first place? If you ask most of the folks, why do they do it? And why do they do what they do with such passion and such fervor? It's because they feel like they're part of something special. They feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. They, they have a purpose, as you as you say. And that's what you've hit the nail yes. on the head at Nick's. Yes. Your folks feel like they're part of something unique and special, right? Yes. Yep. There's, you know, the guy the guy make, uh, taking out the garbage, washing the dishes, making a pizza, pouring a drink, uh, young ladies, you know, doing the host, whatever it is. You know, we all know that we're a part of the, you know, creating the Knicks experience. Our purpose is our dedicated family provides this community an unforgettable place to connect with your family and friends to have fun and to feel at home. So you got you got with that consultant early. Was that at the very beginning or had you kind of muddled your way through the business for a while, then decided something's got to change? Yeah, I definitely. Uh, it's it's funny to hear your story about that argument that you you have often. Um, I wish I would have known you in the first few years because I I had that argument as well. You know, I it's, you know, and that's why I talk about my my dad's a good character in the book because I'd have that. I mean, me and my dad get along great, and part of I think you know the typical uh, in some ways there were a lot of Italian families are this way where 
affection comes through in arguments. Right. <laughs> you know, yes, that's yeah. you know, we love each other. And, you know, my dad would say, you can't trust, you know, they, you know, you don't, can't trust anybody. They don't care. They're not going to work as hard as an owner. And I, like yourself, you know, I said, no, that's not true. I believe that if you, if you treat people well, if you train them to do the job that they're, that you want them to do and you teach them how to run the business, like open books, like we do, how, how we make profit, they're going to do their best. Yep. I don't believe people get out of bed every morning and say, you know what? I want to go screw up today. Amen. That's not true. You know, so, Amen. so yes, I had those arguments and, and that's why it, it took me, I did muddle through in a way, um, for those first seven years, cause it was seven years before I met Rudy. And I, when I wanted to grow my company into more restaurants, I knew I had to go outside my circle of friends, including my dad, you know, those people that had, you know, that you and I would have those conversations with. It's like, I got to find somebody that's on my side that gets this. And, and that's, and that's where Rudy was quite a bit different than all the other consultants I talked to. You know, it's funny. Yesterday I talked with um, Lee Cockerell, who was the executive vice president at Walt Disney World of operations from the mid nineties through the mid two thousands. And we talked about this exact same thing. And he said, you know, he got there and they kind of transformed from a culture of, you know, kind of what what your dad was used to and what a lot of – because that worked in the past, right? You had to be this authoritarian figure. Well, it's different now. And he listed idea after idea and he told me, and it's in his book too, is like all those great ideas that even exist in Disney today, 90% of them were created by someone on the front lines. One of those characters, that person that was dressed up as Snow White had an idea, you know, and – in your book, you have some great examples at Nick. So can you share with some of the colorful characters and some of the the ideas that came up with some of your, your, your frontline folks? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I lost a little bit of what you said there, but I think I got it. Um, that, yeah, it's, it's the idea is that because of, you know, so, so transition here from, you know, understanding why we exist, you know, our purpose instead of a mission, you know, why, and it's something meaningful to, the leadership that supports that model, and I and I and I agree with you 100 percent because the command and control leader of the industrial age uh, doesn't work anymore. It's just right. not effective, especially especially with the younger generation. And and I do see that here, and and that's where you know talking with Bo Burlingham when he wrote about when he wrote about us in Inc. Magazine is where he came up with that term, trust and track leader, uh, and. And I see that, and especially in the younger generation, in their ability to innovate more because we coach more. Uh, a great example, one I talk about in the book, it's it's easy to go to right now, is the uh, is Kyle here, and it works in our heart of the house. We call we call our kitchen heart of the house. Yeah. And uh, he, you know, again, it, it's just a great example of, you know, he's working the sandwich line. He's he loves. He's a high school student, but he loves working. You know, he wants to be maybe a chef someday. And, you know, he comes to me and he says, Nick, he goes, you know, we, we, when we cut a pizza, we have fresh dough. We make our own dough. And you cut the round pizza and you get the leftover dough from, you know, that's on the outside edge that you throw into a bucket and most of it gets thrown in the garbage. He goes, I, I got an idea. We could use that cut off dough for some, what I would call dough nuggets or beer nuggets. He, oh, he called great. them. Yeah. And uh, so I said, but, you know, honestly, to me, it didn't really make sense. And then like, how you, it's going to, I thought it would be tasteless. I didn't think it would work, you know, but I, I always practice 
Yes is my first answer. How, Kyle? You know, understand. You know, how does that fit with our with our brand, right? Mm-hmm. In other words, aligning with our purpose and values is our brand. And uh, so then he he came back to me with, here's what I think, you know. So he came back with the how. And so we experimented with it. And as of, let's see, last year, I think we did 25,000 in sales in, in those beer nugget sales as, as one example. That's great. Uh, of zero food costs, you know, a product that was getting thrown out, you know. So that's um, awesome. So, th- yeah, that's an example. Uh, I have another example is Brittany, who works as a host at our host desk and in our, in our company, when we, you know, we get a wait and like most restaurants, but most restaurants, they'll give you a little buzzer thing. Yeah. And, uh, to me, that's a disconnect, you know, with, with your guests. So what we do is we give our hosts a mic microphone and we ask them to have fun on the mic improv and, <laughs> you know, and call the guests up by name. So Brittany is a student, a performing arts student and actually, uh, she helped add a piece, a whole piece of training to our our host training to teach our host how to do improv, how to use voice inflection, how to have fun on the mic. You know, so so again, that was another thing that our team, you know, involved just by having this open environment, the team takes the performance of the company up a notch. It's really cool to see. That's awesome. I love how you get everybody involved. You know, and you have so many characters, and you write about a couple in the book, and and how I love the idea. What is it? You got a tunnel that connects. Um, uh, is it a storage room? I can't remember in the book, but you got a tunnel somewhere, and you've got your yes. your values written on the wall. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was again another idea that wasn't mine. Another good idea, like you say. <laughs> uh, I well, I mean, the tunnel was my idea, but the, yeah. you know, I when I put it. I built this restaurant in 1995, 17 years ago, and then I built an addition on it in 2000. And I have a basement in half of it in the first restaurant. And then when I put the addition on, I put a basement in that. Uh, But in between the two, there was no basement. So the only way to create a spot, you know, create a way that we could go to both basements without having to go outside was, uh, and I got a buddy in the sewer and water business and he's and he helped me. He said, Nick, we could put a we could use big, huge eight foot sewer pipes to connect underneath the parking lot. We connected the two basements together. Um, so that's pretty cool. And what's what's even better about it, what I love about our tunnel is Allie was, again, another 17 year old high school student. And she says, Nick, she goes uh, and she was an art student. So maybe that's why she was a little more creative in this way. She said, uh, "She said, Nick, you know how we use our values kind of as a handrail of a sidewalk and how we make decisions that guide us throughout the day? I said, yeah. She goes, I got an idea. How about if we paint the values and the purpose on the walls of the tunnel? And then when, when a, a new team member comes on board and they get certified, and we have certifications, you know, they get certified in their job, you know, so in other words, they're, they're part of the Knicks now. They come downstairs in the tunnel and they sign next to the value or purpose that resonates with them most. And I was like, Allie, that's a fantastic idea. And, and of course, she was the one who artistically painted all the values on there for us. And it was really amazing. That's cool. cool. Stuff. I love stuff like that. I love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What are, let's go over some. You know, you spent a long time. You said uh, Rudy was his name, was the consultant that kind of. Yeah, Rudy Mick. Yeah. And I'm sure there's, we've all experienced those. 
you know, off sites and everybody's always skeptical. I'm sure you had to deal with that sort of skepticism and like, oh gosh, here we go. And but can you briefly talk about that process and how not only not so much during the process, but I think the after because everybody goes through those and everybody sat through those off sites, but. You know, just because you create values or a purpose statement on a piece of paper, that's just the beginning because to create the culture, it takes a lot of time and, and through deliberate action. And that's one thing that you, from, from my vantage point, you've successfully done. Can you talk a little bit about how painful, how long it took to till you really started seeing the culture start to shift and transform after you have did all that work at those offsites? Yeah, for sure. You know, it was, it was really an interesting process because I, you know, I had – like yourself, you know, I, I did develop as, you know, as a leader in my own way, you know, going from a construction, you know, foreman kind of guy, which, right. you know, was pretty tough and rough around the edges to, you know, once I had a few servers crying, you know, a few times, <laughs> I was like, okay, wait a sec, I got to, I got to change my, you know, my processes. And, and I do, you know, but I've always been from a place that I, I, I believe in people. And mm-hmm. I think that helps a lot. And although we had, we didn't have real high turnover, but when we went through this process, you know, now our turnover, let's see, in this industry, it's 150% typically, and we have less than 20% turnover. Wow. With 200 team members. So, so that's where this process really made a difference. And, and we had, and it's, and again, purpose to me is different than mission because it's present tense here and now. Mm-hmm. And again, it, well, another way it's different is it wasn't me telling everybody what our purpose and our values was. We went off-site, and what Rudy helped us with was get us what – I, what I suggest is that anybody do go through the process. Do it with an outside observer yeah. like like a Rudy Mick, you know, if it's not Rudy because because that person are, you know, really helps facilitate the process and helps you – you know, the, all the, the stories – that you think about yourself and your company often are different from an outside observer and they could help you through that process. So it was a, it was a slice team of our company was myself. It was a, um, it was a cook, a manager, a server, a bartender, uh, you know, a dishwasher. We did have a, a real slice team of the company that went out and we did this process offsite because it was really focused and and that's where I think it was, you know, what's so rich about the process is that it was, it, you know, we tapped in deep into our emotions and what was really going on here at Nix. And we paid attention to every word, every word. There was no fluff words. There was no striving to get to someday. You know, when you go on our website and you read that, those things, you could really see that they're active. Yeah, they're so action, what happened, active yeah, verbs, they're yeah. action-oriented. And, and our values are not nouns. They're, we use them as verbs. So when we, after the process, we came back to the restaurant and rolled it out. It was, and this is what I, again, this is where the leadership part is really important, is is not, you know, these things can't be, if, you know, if, if this is, if you're going to make your culture, if you're going to be intentional about the culture that you want to have in your organization, as we did, leaders can't just you know put these things up on a plaque on the wall and forget about them you know we what i did and i was again this is probably you could probably relate to this richard is that i'm really disciplined from being in wrestling and football and i believe my friends that have been in the marines they said the same thing you know i have this strong discipline around something that i know is really important and i just stick with it day after day right 
and my discipline was to recognize the positive behaviors that are related to the purpose of the values and use words, you know, in the values to celebrate those behaviors. So, yeah, I mean, you understand how that really becomes now those values come off the wall and they become part of part of our language. Yeah, and I think that's our, that's where mo- that's where most companies I think miss the boat. I mean, and I've sat through and you see it, and people think you can change the culture just but you I mean you got to do the dirty work like you said in the offsite, but once you get it in place and you write about it in, in your 8th chapter and I love the term that you used in there is becoming a culture warrior because it is a warrior like mentality to live out those purpose and values because it does take a discipline to, you know, cuz we all you know, I like to avoid uncomfortable situations. I am lazy and want to watch TV and sit on there, but you got to be disciplined, like you said, and you got to fight and understand and knowing what those purposes and values are. And then, like you said, day to day, watching, making sure it takes time, right? I mean, this just didn't happen overnight. It just, it just, how do I even phrase it? it? The culture, you just have to, the culture is a series of actions over time. It just doesn't happen with yes. things on paper. Yeah, that's so true. And in the beginning, there was actually some healthy turnover. I was surprised by some of the people that said, you know, I had a bartender that worked for my dad and then worked for me, you know, and she was there from the day I opened my doors. And uh, she said, you know what, I don't want to be a part of this. This is not, you know, and, and that was to me healthy turnover because I saw the performance of the rest of the team actually ramp up yep. when she left. So you have to be patient with that process. And again, if you're serious about making, if you're not serious, you know, if you don't do those, if you don't have that discipline to be intentional about the culture, the culture will backslide pretty quickly yeah, it will. to the culture of the community. Yep. You know, whatever, you know, whatever the loudest voice is in your team, whether it's a positive voice or a negative voice, mm-hmm. that that's the person that will create the culture of your company. If you're not, if you're not disciplined around your intentions here and follow through. Well, it sounds like a fantastic place to work, but you you know, just like every business, you've been you've had your share of tor- turmoil and you open up your book with a pretty interesting story and it wasn't that long ago. Can you talk about the fall of 2001 and what and uh and what and what brought you yeah, to where today? Yeah. yeah, for sure. It's actually yeah, the fall of 2011. Oh, 2011, um, sorry. I had 2001 yeah. in my brain cuz September, yeah, 2011. Yeah, honestly, Richard, I had no idea that uh, what happened was going to happen. <laughs> uh, I mean, the the positive part, the the negative part, you know, around opening my second site, you know, like so many other people, and then actually going to open a third site before I really should have. You know, I got a little bit off. I did get off track with my balance sheet. I I, you know, I had great success in everything I did, and I got a little bit thought, well, you know, everything I've done has worked out. I could extend myself, go, you know, extend my, you know, and grow on debt. Well, it, believe me, financial discipline is just as important as, as purpose and values discipline, which yeah. I found out. So I made that mistake. And what I didn't realize is when I, we got in a tough time through, you know, this road construction that happened in front of the restaurant, big drop in sales, you know, we you couldn't even get in the restaurant. Um, I thought, I thought our company was going to go down. I, I was going to be late on my payments, which something is never I've never done in my life. You know, I'm just very responsible around things like that. And uh, so I, I sent a letter to all of our frequent guests that were in our database through our frequent dining cards, 
and I posted on our, you know, a big blast email and let our team know that that we were, I was open and honest about it, that we were in a tough time and I wasn't sure if we we're going to make it anymore. And, you know, if there was team members on our, in our restaurant that felt like they needed to, you know, go to another job, I was okay with that. I can never understand how a, a restaurant and a, something that's a part of the company, a community for so many years could all of a sudden just lock their doors and, and people don't know what's happening. I, I, I felt like a responsibility to let our community know what was going on. And as a result of that, the community came out in huge numbers to support us. Our sales went up 105% wow. in the restaurants. It was amazing. Yeah. And you were advised against sending that email out, right? <laughs> yeah, sure was. Uh, you know, my, I, I consulted with a PR company and I, before I did it, I said, you know, uh, you know, what do you think I should do? And they said, no, no, don't, what are you, are you crazy? You're being way too honest and way too hmm. transparent. You know, people are going to, you know, they're going to lambaste you, you know, and the press is going to be all over you uh, because we, we, you know, we're really involved in communities with fundraisers and things like that. And, um, you know, and then the bank, my banker, I, I was open and honest about them and they said, no, don't do it. You're going to have, you're going to have your vendors are going to, you know, not deliver. They're going to ask for COD. And quite the opposite happened, actually. Our vendors, uh, one of our vendors that was a local guy like us, he he donated a week's worth of food to us. You know? Wow. Yeah. You was, see, was, that's what I love about that. You're hitting on so many things and the, the, the transparency, the vulnerability. And a lot of times people think in leadership that, that that's the opposite. They think you need to be this larger-than-life stoic figure, you know, no, don't share the numbers. You can see how prevalent it is in, in all aspects, from the PR firm to the bank to everybody. But what people yeah. don't truly understand, truly great leadership comes from the heart. And some of the greatest leaders I've ever known in, in the rough-and-tumble Marine Corps, square-jawed, they were the ones that carried their emotions on the sleeve, would cry at the drop of a hat, and talked about love above everything else. And that's what I love about that story is that you listen to your heart, you listen to your gut, and you send it out anyway. And that's, that's yep. great. That's a great thing. Thank you. Thanks a lot. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, it was it was very difficult. I I, I was you know honestly I was scared. I I believed those folks that um, it was gonna you know that was there was gonna I was gonna lose my business. I really wasn't sure what was gonna happen. And fortunately, I, we were blessed, and uh, quite a bit different thing happened. <laughs> so we're here today. So. so talk about some of the values that you came up with. What are some of your favorite values that you have in there? And I know you put in the book that you're, they're all equal. You didn't, you purposely didn't number them because you didn't want people to think that one was more valuable than the other. But what are some of that really stand out to you that you really like? I know they're well, like your children. You got to say you love them all, but <laughs> it's you know it's really important. It is really important, Richard, that we integrate all, all the values in in what we do. Um, you know, so, so yeah, we, we have, you know, so realistically we have 200 people that work in our restaurant and, and we're in the restaurant business. So some of them are students, they're single moms with other jobs, you know, a lot of things different going on. So we don't expect everybody to memorize every value word for word. Sure. And at the same time we do, we have every day we have a pre-shift before we open and we take one of the values and we make it a focus for that day so that the team gets to really feel and know the values each day so that 
again, you know, realistically, that that's more effective. And it's up to me as a coach to recognize and my other managers to recognize those positive behaviors tied to a value. And it, and it's funny because like one something as simple as we treat everyone with dignity and respect is one of our values. So uh, as as simple as one of our team members saying thank you to another team member, I'm going to recognize that and tie it back to thank you. I I really love how you just modeled our value of dignity and respect, Joe. You know, it's, it's that, that's the kind of thing that I, that we have to do. And I would have to say one of my other, uh, you know, I like I do, (laughs) all the values are important. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about is, um, that we're dedicated to learning, teaching, and ongoing development of each other. Yeah. Because running a business like a school and developing others, you know, developing the team to be business owners, to me, is another great way that we why we have success and why actually it's a, it's a succession model for an owner as well. So you don't have to be every you know every everywhere all the time every minute. Yep. So, so what do you guys? What's what's next with? Uh, uh, Nick Srillo and uh, I see you got the book out. I see you maybe even got some coaching going on. Or are you are you able for for hire for organizational coaching? Is that what's next for you guys? Yeah, what what it's interesting because because I run the business like a school. You know, we have actually when, when you're at Nick's, you get certified at the 101 level, the 201 level, and then our leadership course is the 301 level. Well, what's next? What you know, I was. I wanted to open a third restaurant in Chicago and, and that deal fell through right, you know, right when the economy turned down. And what's happened though is, is, you know, we've opened up our processes, our leadership training. We opened it up to outside companies and now we call it the Knicks university. We're actually teaching other companies how to, how to use purpose and values and create an intentional culture in an organization, how, you know how to be a coach. A lot of a lot of businesses will say, you know, we want you to coach, but not a lot of businesses, not a lot of actually sports organizations teach coaches how to be a coach. And we actually break that down for everyone in our company at the when they go through uh, 301 leadership. So so that's that's the part. That's one of the things I'm really excited about is is sharing what we do at Nick's, what we make happen in the everyday business of a restaurant business. In our through our Knicks University, you know, so and, and it's and you don't have to have the million dollar budget like the Zappos and the Starbucks and the Whole Foods do. You could do it in everyday businesses as well. Yeah. Who are some of your leadership heroes now that they changed over the years? I mean, do you study leadership consciously now? I mean, you probably just wrapped up and I mean, you're you're talking and living it every day. But do you reflect back and do you have any heroes and mentors? Yeah, I mean, I I did. Uh, yeah, it's a couple different things like that. I mean, I learned a lot. Uh, my style, I'm sure, came out of you know one one level from my dad for sure. Um, his his lack of caring to be a coach, you know, he didn't really want to be a coach. Mm-hmm. As me being, you know, the opposite is that I'm really um, passionate about being a coach, you know, right. and I and I like to teach others and. And Rudy, for sure, had an influence on me. And you know who I uh, who I look to a lot and read a lot about is Richard Branson, because oh, yeah. I think you know how how he handles, how he opens so many companies, does so much, and really creates a lot of trust in his team. Yeah. To me, is a great model. You know, so 
So that I, you know, and I, and I do study, I do read up a lot, a lot about leadership for sure. And, um, and in, in some way I think, um, you know, you and I are unique in our own way because we're, we're really modeling trust and track leadership versus command and control. And there's not really anyone to that's, that's doing this kind of stuff the way we are. So, yeah, I love the, uh, that's the first time I heard that term in that book. And I think it's just so beautiful. You know, you know, you, I think even in the book you talk about, well, is it trust and verify, but the trust and track is that really hits it on the head. I don't think I've ever heard it put so well. And that's exactly what it is. It's the exact opposite of command and control. Yeah. And it, and it's, it does shock me why it's so rare in so many places. I, I still can't figure it out why it, why it is so difficult because it seems like common sense. And, um, yeah. but there are a lot of folks out there that don't see it that way. They think you have to, you have to, you know, be something that you're not. And I just totally disagree with that. I think you have to be yeah. completely transparent and, um, I look well, at the we're, we're going to be tra- we don't have a choice anymore. I mean, it's going to happen with Facebook and all the that's social right. media stuff. Exactly so right. I, I think that's great. You have to be you have to be trans- transparent and authentic. Otherwise, uh, it's going to come back to bite you in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so. What did you know? Ask you as the coach. I mean, what what advice do you give out there? Maybe there's some listener out there that they're in a leadership role. Maybe they're interested in becoming a better leader. What do you have any? succinct advice that you could give somebody who's you know just starting to dip their foot in the leadership pool yeah um we talk about yeah i mean i, I we have a lot of uh, young team members here that i uh, develop into being managers and actually develop into opening their own their own businesses and i think what's common what i have to share often is is you really got to start out with believing in people that believe that people do want to do their best and it's up to us as leaders to to find out, you know, to tap into, you know, what it is they love to do, tie that into what they're doing here in in your organization, and and ask questions instead of the habit that I see in a lot of leaders about just telling, you know, they just want to tell people what to do. That uh, almost as if it's a lazy way to get the most out of people. Ask questions. Ask the right question about what they're seeing in the business. Why, you know, why do you want to start, you know, in our business, you know, flattening dough is a way to get ahead of the next rush. You know, what do you, what are you seeing that you want to start flattening dough now instead of 10 minutes from now? You know, things like that. Ask those questions. So you get to really understand why, what the process in that person, how they're thinking. And then you could, and then you could coach from there. Well, that's great. I I mean, I'm a true fan of you, Nick, and, and uh, I need to make it up to Chicago. I fly over it uh, three times a week when I fly to Montreal. I always fly over Chicago, so I need to no stop in there someday and uh, grab a slice. I'd love to to experience Nick's Pizza and Pub. It sounds like you've got a wonderful thing going up there, a little slice up there in Chicago. Yeah, thank you very much. Anytime you're going to come by, let me know and uh, be happy to give you a tour and show you all the processes, you know, it's all, all the stuff that's up on the walls and how – how everything really works on a day-to-day basis here. So uh, they can find you on the web, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's at nickcirillo.com, correct? Yeah, that's the easiest way to uh, get my book, to read about all these processes, and then and then be in touch with any part of this you want to start with you know, in your own businesses right away, yeah. so for sure. It's a great-looking website. It's a great book. It's an easy read, 
I know those are my favorite kind, but it's chock full of common sense. And um, it's like I said, it's not a, a scholarly academic book. It's just straightforward, common sense, real practical business experience. It's uh, on one of my favorite lists. So I, I appreciate everything you're doing out there, Nick. You are a true leadership hero of mine, and I appreciate all that you're doing. And it's a and it's a bright spot. I think you know highlighting entrepreneurs and people who are living and leading by their heart is what's needed more and more in this country. So I appreciate everything that you're doing, Nick. Thank you. I'm honored to have this opportunity, and and, and I'm like I said, I'm very grateful to get the opportunity to share as well. So thank you very much, Richard. Yep, and we'll uh, we'll do this again sometime. I'm sure I'd like to keep you on uh, kind of the rotation. Every six months or so, we'll catch up and see where you're at. That, that would be phenomenal. I would love that. Okay, Nick. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.